Welcome. Uh, glad that you are joining with us, whether, as Leah mentioned earlier, you've been with us for a long time or this may be your very first time. Uh, hopefully summer has been going well for you. Uh, this summer we have been uh, jumping into a series called Big Bold Questions. And I think this is a series that we continually want to come back to because I don't know about you, but oftentimes one of the greatest ways we learn in life is through asking questions, through having honest conversation. And I don't know if you ever believe this. I don't know where it started, but for some reason, some people think that if you're a follower of Jesus, then you should have no questions. You should have no uncertainties. And that's just so not true. It's so not helpful. And that's why it's so important to do series like this where we start to ask questions, start to talk about our faith, start to realize that at the end of the day, we don't always have all the answers. And so the last number of weeks, we have been looking at different questions. And we're going to continue for the next number of weeks uh, as well. Actually, in, in two weeks, um, we're going to do a little bit of rapid fire Q&A. Uh, I really appreciated the various questions that have been coming in. And what I realize is that we can't get to them all. And so on one particular week, on September the 5th, in, in two weeks, um, we're going to just kind of rapid fire a bunch of different questions that have come in. And so if you have a question, you thought, you know what, I would kind of like this addressed, send me an email and we will do our best uh, to get that into our rapid fire uh, discussion. Well, this week, I don't know if you read uh, the description on, on YouTube or you saw it on Facebook or wherever you came across, but, but the title I landed on is why are, what's the deal with Christians being jerks? And and sometimes you may think, you know, is, is that appropriate? Should we really be saying that? But what's interesting is what I want to talk about this week was the question that I got asked the most during this series. And it all kind of centered around the same reality. And some of you may find yourself kind of agreeing with this. It's around the, it's around the reality of how can I believe in Jesus? Or how can I even talk about being a follower of Jesus when so many Christians have messed up, or to put it another way, how, how can I believe in Jesus? Or, or why would I go to church when the church has done so many horrible things throughout the history of this time? And I think it's a fair question. I think it's a question that oftentimes we stumble across and becomes uh, an incredible, perhaps, barrier for us to either deepen our faith or even talk about our faith. Because we can go all the way back into history and we can look at some of the terrible things that churches, that, that people have done in the name of Jesus. Uh, we look at the Inquisition. Uh, we look at the Crusades. Uh, we look at slave trade. Uh, we look at segregation, racism, hate. We... We look at individuals who act in such a way that it doesn't really leave a bad taste in your mouth. You think, I want nothing to do with church, or more importantly, with Jesus. Over the last number of years, if you have been living in Canada, uh, there has been much discussion around the residential schools and the abuses of the church. Throughout the last number of years, we continually hear more and more reports of abuses within church, of, of prominent Christian leaders who have stumbled in the midst of scandals of adultery or of fraud or of 
many other terrible things. And you're like, why would I want to believe in that? Or, or should I even be talking about my faith? Or maybe it's even more personal. Maybe for you, it's, it's not so much what is happening in the world around us, but, but you know of someone who goes to church, who seems to claim to talk about Jesus, yet they're a jerk. They act unkindly to their children or to their neighbors or to their spouse, and it just completely turns you off. And so that's where I want to land, is, is how can we believe? Or, or how can we talk about our faith when so many Christians or churches have messed up? And I think in many cases, there's probably kind of two camps uh, that, that you may land in. There's, there's one camp of those of you that are watching right now that have not yet taken that step to, to believing in Jesus. And all the abuse in the church, all the Christians who have fallen short, it, it, it stands as a roadblock for you actually getting to know who Jesus is. Let me just say, it is, it is so great that, that you are jumping on with us. And, and I hope that what I have to say is, is helpful for you to get over some of the barriers that you see before us. But there's another group that's watching. And that's the group that has made the decision to follow Jesus, yet you hesitate to talk about your faith because you don't want to get called out. Or, or perhaps people have come to you and said, how, how can you go to church? Or, or why do you even believe in Jesus when you look at some of the terrible things that so many of his followers have done? And you're stumped. You, you don't actually know what to say. And so the conversation ends right there. That's what I jump into here today. Not so much as to why these terrible things have happened. Actually, we'll talk about that a little bit. But rather, how do we respond so that the history of the church, the, the negative side of, of people who, who have messed up, who, who have abused others in the name of Jesus, doesn't prevent us or cause a barrier in our lives from truly experiencing what God wants for us in our life? And so there's no real kind of one go-to passage that we can go to today. So I want to jump into some words that were offered by the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul, um, early century leader of the Christian church, he was the one that was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write most of what we have in the New Testament. That's the, that's the second half, the, the, the end of the Bible. And, and oftentimes, Paul would be addressing people that, that he actually ever, never actually met. And so in this case, he's speaking to a group of Colossians, and he offers us these words that I think are helpful for our conversation today. And so let me, let me read it, and then let's jump right in. It comes from Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6. And this is what Paul says. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive 
so that you will have the right response for everyone. I don't know about you, but at first glance, you may be hearing those words or reading them on the screen and you're thinking, what does that have to do to how do we respond to Christians that are jerks? I want to look at at three things. And the very first thing that, that Paul says that I want to pull out is that we make the most of every opportunity so that we can speak about the mysterious plan concerning Jesus. The first thing I think for us to understand as to how do we overcome this hurdle of the abuses of the church is to put it bluntly, start with the crap. Like literally start right there. When Paul talks about making the most of every opportunity in order to talk about Jesus, it means we don't step away from the hard conversations. And I think, and I think sometimes what happens is that when, when people push back, when, when, when people bring up the residential schools or, or when people bring up segregation or, or, or when people bring up those Christians that have fallen from grace, we, our tendency may be, well, we don't want to talk about it or we don't want to acknowledge it. But I think we start right there. We acknowledge the terrible things that have happened. We don't necessarily attempt to explain it or even worse, justify it. Actually, we begin to own it. We, we grieve with those who have been hurt. And in certain cases, we may even repent of the actions that have been committed against others. Now, right there, you might be thinking, whoa, whoa, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, hold up, Joel, hold up, Joel. Um, why am I repenting of the things that I never did? I mean, I wasn't a part of the residential schools or I wasn't a part of the hatred. Like, like, why would I do that? Let me paint it this way. As a dad, I have three kids. And when my kids were younger, um, they would often be on the playground. And I'm sure you've seen this scenario where kids are getting along merrily and then something goes wrong and your child pushes the other child over or your child doesn't share with the kid in the sandbox. And you look at it and you realize that is not right. And so what do you do? As a good parent, you go up and you have a chat with your, with your child. You make sure that they apologize to the child. But likely it doesn't end there, does it? Likely as a parent, you also apologize to the child. And if the other kid's parents are there, you probably go up to them and say, hey, listen, listen, I, I am really sorry for the actions of my kid. Now you could say, hey, I didn't do anything wrong, so only my kid needs to apologize. But it says something, doesn't it? When you own the actions of another and simply acknowledge it. Because what it often does is it begins to open up the conversation to something greater so that you don't stay bogged down in the abuses of the church. And so for maybe some of you that are watching today that have perhaps been impacted by the abuse of other Christians or the, the terrible lifestyles and choices of people who have claimed to follow Jesus, perhaps you need to hear the apology to say that this is not what is meant to be for what it looks like to live a life 
with Jesus. And so the very first thing I would say is always start where the person is. But don't end there. The second thing I think we learn from the Apostle Paul is that we want to get the conversation back to Jesus. Have you ever considered some of the terrible abuses of the church or by those who have claimed to be followers of him? Have you ever asked the question, is that actually what Jesus wanted from them? I mean, I get it. We can slag the church, but we should make sure that we don't allow our negative views of the church to prevent us from getting to the source of who Jesus is. You see, Paul says, make the most of every opportunity to speak about Jesus. If you're curious about Jesus, isn't it more important to get to the source? To begin to see, well, what is it that Jesus actually teaches? What is it that Jesus actually wants? And I believe the closer you get to Jesus, you actually start to answer the question as to why these terrible abuses have taken place. Because they failed to follow in the ways of Jesus. A couple real quick examples. Mark chapter 12. Jesus is asked the question, of what is the greatest commandment? Of, of all the commandments in the Old Testament, what is the greatest one? And Jesus basically summarizes it this way. He says, love God with everything. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Let me ask you, is racism loving others as you love yourself? Is residential schools loving others as you love yourself? Is committing fraud or adultery or anything else loving others as you love yourself? You, you start to see that the closer you get to Jesus, the more we realize that all the terrible things that have been done by the church is never what Jesus intended for them. Or think of the reality of why Jesus came in the first place. When Paul says, use every opportunity to point people to Jesus, we see at the heart of our faith is Jesus dying on the cross for you and for me. And so if Jesus is going to give his life for our sake. Do you think it's in his plans that we take the lives of others? You start to realize that the abuse of the church is because people have strayed away from Jesus. And it's important for us to realize that in order for the brokenness of this world to get fixed, we, we don't need less of Jesus. We actually need more of him. But this is where it comes to. It's not enough just simply to acknowledge the abuse, to simply start to point towards Jesus. We need to make it personal. For those of you that are watching today and perhaps have, have struggled with taking that next step towards Jesus, because you've seen just too many terrible things, or you've you've read stories of abuses within the church, and you want you think I want nothing of that. Here's the problem: you're missing out on what Jesus wants for you. 
So begin to get to know him more. Begin to make it personal in your own life. What does that what does that look like? Let me suggest a couple of things. One is what you're doing right now is a good first step. Joining us online where you can begin to explore more and more of who Jesus is. But even better than that is get a Bible. Start start reading the Bible. Jump into one of the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and begin to read not only who Jesus is, but what Jesus says and ultimately what Jesus wants for you. A third thing would be joining one of our online Alpha series starting up in the fall. More information is going to be coming about that. But, but here's a great way to begin to explore faith. To land at a place where you begin to know and experience the abundant life of Jesus for you. What about for those of us who are followers of Jesus and, and so often don't know how to respond to, to, to people who ask questions or, or people who push back about some of the terrible things that Christians have done? I love what Paul says. Make the most of every opportunity. Previous to that, he says, devote yourself to prayer. And so let me ask you, are you praying that God would give you opportunities to talk about your faith? Maybe the opportunities are coming and you don't even realize it, such as hard questions like this. Paul says, pray for clarity so that you will know what to say. And then make the most of the opportunities by having a gracious spirit. Listen, I'll be the first to admit that when you look at the history of the church, there has been some terrible things done. I realize that that out there, those that claim to follow Jesus don't always get it right. But don't allow that to be a barrier to seeing Jesus, to know Jesus, and to experience his great love and mercy for you. So what's your next step? How can you begin to step over this barrier to get closer to Jesus and the life he desires for you? Let me pray as we conclude. And so, Lord Jesus, I I give thanks for who you are and for what you have done. I recognize that there has been some terrible things done supposedly in your name. I pray for those that that perhaps are watching or listening right now that have been hurt by churches, hurt by people who have claimed to follow you. I pray that, that they would know your healing. I pray for all of us that we would live in a way that promotes who you are, your great love for us, and how we are called to love others. And so we ask it all, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
Now may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious towards you. Now may the Lord look to you always and grant you his peace, his hope, his love today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen.